Welcome to the Sorority Nutritionist Podcast. I'm your host, registered dietitian and weight loss BFF, Lauren Hubert. Growing up as a woman, I was told that you can't care about your looks, wear whatever you want, and be successful. But honey, let me give it to you real. You can have it all. I believe women can embody strength, sexuality, and power all at the same time. And in fact, I know the harder you feel, the more successful you will be. Each week, we are changing the narrative that women can be hot and successful at the same damn time and do it in a healthy way. Sexy fit babes. What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the TSN podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Huber, and babes, hold up. We are in for a treat today. I am so pumped to share this interview with you guys. Hailing from the Queen City, today we are joined by WWE athlete Charlotte Flair, the Charlotte Flair. She is the daughter of legendary wrestler Ric Flair and has totally come into her own as the most decorated female athlete in WWE history. For a little bit of background on today's show, we talk about how Charlotte got into wrestling and her story really begins in 2012. She began training with WWE, debuted in NXT by 2013, and by 2014, she was named Rookie of the Year by Pro Wrestling Illustrated and was promoted to WWE's main roster in 2015. This was huge. Since then, Charlotte's won countless championships, and most notably, she has become the first female athlete to ever headline a WWE pay-per-view event in October 2016 alongside Sasha Banks. She is one of three women to also headline WrestleMania for the first time ever, which is huge in such a male-dominated sport, which we talk about on today's episode. You will find Charlotte and I diving deeper into how she maintains her hot and healthy physique because real talk, as a wrestler, guys, with WWE, she travels on the road over 300 days a year. She's constantly in hotel rooms, on the go, city to city. So if there's any person that should get off track, it's Charlotte, but she doesn't. And she is disciplined and she's ready to show you the motivation of how to do it too. We also dive deep into all things social media and becoming your most confident self because Charlotte didn't just grow up confident. She didn't always knew she wanted to be in the public eye in the way that she is. And with opportunities arising, she had to show up and come into her own to become the most badass, sexy version of herself. And now at 35, she's wearing a crop top for the first time ever. And she's here to inspire you to also do the same. We're in for a treat, ladies. Get ready. Charlotte Flair is coming your way. Well, welcome, Charlotte. I am so pumped to have you on the TSN podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so I was stalking your Instagram before, so (laughs) I feel like I know you. (laughs) I feel like I know you too, girlfriend. So obviously so many people listening to this episode know you as Charlotte, the WWE wrestler, the entertainer, being in the public eye, but I'm so curious about parts of you that we don't see. And I'm just going to come out and say it. Like what would be something maybe people would be surprised to learn about you or like something we don't know about Charlotte? I think Charlotte's pretty glamorous, right? She has these great robes, always put together, always so on top of it because she's the queen, right? But I think in my personal life, I'm much more spastic, messy all over the place. I'm always in gym clothes. I'm very much your typical all-American girl, play sports, jeans. I got my tennis shoes on right now. But I think Charlotte's so glamorous. Not that I don't like to be glamorous in my personal life, but I, I think I feel most confident and sexy in a good pair of jeans, high boots and a crop top, like, but a t-shirt, you know? Yeah. Like more casual. Yeah. Like yes. I love the hair, the makeup, the glam, but yeah. like, 
I mean, Charlotte, we're recording this right now and you guys can't see me, but I'm literally wearing a sweatshirt and my hair is up. And like, this is me in my most natural state. (laughs) So you became a WWE wrestler, I think in 2012 is when you kind of started your journey. And obviously Mm -hmm. your dad was in the industry already. What, how did you get to the place where you knew you wanted to do this as a career? So I talk about this all the time with people outside and whether it's podcasts or interviews, but I started wrestling super late. I think I was, well, if I'm 35 now, 2012, I was either turning 27 or 27, 28. And really I was just at dinner in April in Miami with my dad, my little brother, and one of the agents from WWE, Johnny Laurinaitis. And I believe my dad and Johnny were trying to motivate my little brother to get into the business. Oh, wow. So Johnny looked, well, cause my brother wanted to be just like my dad, but he, he had a really bad drug problem. So they thought by encouraging me that it would kind of get my brother on the right path. Like, oh, my sister's doing it. I got to do it too. My brother was two years younger than me. So Johnny was like, why aren't you doing this kid? So my little brother Reed was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Ash, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? We can do it together. Well, really he said Winky because that was my nickname. Um, Let's do it together. And at that time in my life, I was just personal training. I had graduated from NC State. I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I really had no purpose, no goals, no passion. I, I loved personal training. I mean, I didn't think I was that good at it. I felt more like a motivator. I worked at this private studio where I had individual sessions and we just kind of, you know, whether it was like, you can do it on the treadmill or like taking them through circuits by no means. I think I was the trainer that the people that I hire today, I enjoyed what I did and I enjoyed making people happy and feel good about themselves. But it wasn't something that day to day, it was just going through the motions, you know? Yeah. So when I found wrestling in 2012 and I started it, I was like, I didn't even really know what I was doing. It was the first time I had moved out of North Carolina. I moved to Florida. I reported to Tampa in July of 2012. And I had no idea why I was moving, what I was doing, what I was getting into. Like I had watched my dad my whole life, but it wasn't something that I ever saw myself doing, or especially at that time, the female performers were more eye candy models, glamorous, hired from diva contests bikini contest. Yeah. So I had never pictured myself like that growing up. So when I started, um, in 2012, it was more of a, okay, I'm doing this for my brother, but I'm also, maybe I'm meant for more in my life. I don't know, but ultimately had my brother not pushed me and not wanted to do it for him. I wouldn't be where I am today, but long story short, no matter where you are in life, you can change your entire course. Yeah. And I feel like I was scared of my own shadow in 2012 and now I'm like the top superstar in a male dominated world as a woman. Yeah. I mean, that's why I was so pumped to interview Charlotte. I'm like in the industry you're in, like you think of all of the the guys, I think of John Cena, right? Of course, everyone always says that. I think of, you know, all the other guys, people like your dad. And then it's like, you come in and you know, you've created such a name for yourself. And it's so crazy, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing the story now, it was one decision that you actually didn't even want to make. And you made it even with the fear and even with probably all the doubt going through you. And then it's been one of the best decisions of your life. Yeah. I mean, ultimately I spent my early twenties trying to save my brother's life. He ultimately saved mine, but it's just that one decision. Like I'm telling you, I went from personal training, not even, I mean, just, I don't even know what I was doing with my life. Like I graduated high school, went to college on a volleyball scholarship to Appalachian state. I quit my scholarship. The minute I quit sports, I felt like I lost myself, moved to Raleigh to go to NC state, took me three more years to graduate. And I just didn't have, I was just had no purpose in what I was doing. Like, 
that one little, imagine if I just was too scared to go and said, nope, this is, I can't do it. Like, I don't know where I would be. Exactly. Just the something that you're most scared of, which I was scared of public speaking. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't think I was glamorous or a model. I didn't know how to do makeup. Like I can't exaggerate enough. If you would have saw me, then you would have never seen me as a person I am today. And that's how easy it is. It's just one simple decision. Yeah. Was there a moment where you were like, and I always love asking this question because on my receiving end, I'm like, you've made it. But I know so many people when like they've made it, they're like, I haven't made it. Like it's not true. But was there this moment was like looking back on the past few years where you were like, fuck yeah. Like I made it. I did it. Oh yeah. (laughs) Fuck yeah. WrestleMania 35 when I main evented WrestleMania, which is our Super Bowl. So like I said, for the most part in our industry, the women were secondary storylines and eye candy. So in 2012, when I was hired, uh, Triple H at the time was in the process of taking over the developmental territory. Developmental is where I went, where they train the new guys and girls, you know, to someday, I mean, just because you go to developmental doesn't mean you're going to make it to Raw or SmackDown to the main roster, right? So when I uh, moved to Tampa and reported to what was FCW, which turned into NXT, our third brand that Triple H took over, I'm going to call him Hunter, but Hunter took over, he started to hire female athletes or females that necessarily weren't models or from the fitness industry. He started to hire females that were from the independent wrestling scene. So people that had no background, no modeling, no, they weren't known for their looks or they actually were already wrestling or someone like me who had played a sport, but that wasn't really, I mean, I got in, I got into NXT because of my dad, but he had said, you know, just because you're Ric Flair's kid doesn't mean you're going to get a handout. And I'm like, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Like I'm a division one athlete here. (laughs) Just give me, give me a couple of days to prove who I am. But I mean, but like I said, I wasn't polished. So looking at me, I had no idea about the industry and what it took. But so in 2012, when the industry started to shift and they hired their first ever female coach, there was a group of women who had been hired that had the prior experience who I learned with and who I grew up with. So from 2012 to 2014, we started to kind of change the way the main roster was looking at the female talent in developmental, like, oh my gosh, these girls can go. These girls can work. So when I started to understand a little more of the business and get into it and find a character, I mean, I'm still developing and growing to this day as a performer. But when I had my first traveling show to when NXT started traveling for WrestleMania in 2014, me and my opponent technically stole the show. And I just remember going, okay, I'm going to grow off of this and go, well, why can't when I get to Raw or SmackDown do what John Cena is doing, do what The Rock is doing? or did, or what Triple H is doing, or what Randy Orton is doing. So when I started to do interviews, I was like, I'm going to main event WrestleMania one day. And that's unheard of. So people, I think, thought when I said it, I was saying it to be arrogant or cocky, or just saying it for a tagline for media, right? For like clickbait. No, I felt that way. I never thought that there was anything a man could do that I couldn't do. For me, it was more believing in myself, finding the confidence, feeling comfortable in my own skin that you can be sexy as an athlete. You can be sexy with muscle. You can be sexy in your own dominant independent way. Like it's not that stereotypical Barbie or how, how, what, however you see beauty or however WWE in the past defined beauty. 
So here I was this athlete coming in going, no, I can be a diva and headline WrestleMania no matter what. So when I did fast forward to WrestleMania 35, New York, New Jersey, MetLife, when I walked out of Gorilla and I saw, what was it, like 80,000, 90,000 people? Unreal. I was like, damn right. I did exactly what I said I was going to do and I belong here. Yes, you're always nervous and I was nervous, but it was in that moment knowing that I did something that I said I was going to do, even though everyone thought I was absolutely crazy. Like, wait, I love this. Yeah. And that's where I love these. I love these recordings whenever I get to record someone who is in the media and, you know, just share it with people, you know, who follow the podcast. Like everyone's a normal freaking human being. Like, yes, (laughs) everyone's a normal human being. Yes. Like just because of what the character you see or what my dad did or the money and like his whole tagline is jets, limousines. It's like, that's not like what life was like. It's not real. It's not real. Yeah. It's not real. So there's any woman that like, I mean, I feel like I started late, especially now being 35 and the girls are in their early twenties. I'm like, man, I wish I knew what I wanted to do at 21, but I didn't. And my journey got me here today. But for anyone that's almost 30, like I didn't figure it out till then. And now I'm on the top of an industry. And I think what we did within the WWE speaks to any female in any industry that the ones that are crazy enough to say they're going to do something and make an impact are the ones that do it. Yeah. And I do have to say, like, if a man said that same thing, I have to play this card. You know, I don't know if they would look at them saying it as cocky or arrogant, but as soon as a female says it, it's like, oh, well, like, you know, you're, you're, you're overstepping on toes is almost what it's like, or you're being too brash, you're too being too bold. When in reality, if a man said it, it really wouldn't stick the same way. Oh my gosh. I talk about this all the time. Like whether I'm sticking up for what I feel in that moment for like my character or whatever women are looked at is, Oh, well she's bossy or she's big headed or she's arrogant. Like, no, I'm demanding better for myself and demanding better. Like it's always has to be something when a woman is outspoken or not even outspoken. Um, See, that's even a bad word. We're not I would, I would say confident saying, when you're confident, confident. expressing yourself. And, yes. and also if you didn't do it, guess what would happen? You'd be considered weak. You would be considered like you're not advocating for yeah. yourself or whatever other adjective we want to describe there. Like yeah. there's, there's no winning or losing, but I think it's these types of conversation that shed light on it and help women be more of that confident version that they are deep down inside because you shouldn't simmer who you are just because it makes other people uncomfortable. So I was actually talking, um, there's a guy that does my makeup for work. We have like a traveling team for TV days. We're both Aries. So I love talking about horoscopes. because I feel like I'm like hundred percent my sign, but we were talking about, um, sometimes I'm like, man, I'm sorry. I said that it was so blunt. And then he was like, no girl, live your best life. Like don't apologize for how you feel. We're so quick to apologize for something that we believe in or say like, no, just say how you feel and it it offends someone don't I mean it's not supposed to offend like be confident in what you feel and what you're saying you don't have to apologize for having an opinion and I feel like we feel that way sometimes as women oh yeah like or or we backtrack and overthink like oh wait 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 did that come out wrong no don't apologize for being good at something 
Ooh, I love that. And, you know, sure. We have to segue into what you're freaking good at, which is you're a great wrestler. And (laughs) with that, there's more eyes on you. There's more pressure, right? There's the pressure you put on yourself. There's the pressure other people put on yourself being in such a high performance environment. And also knowing your backstory about how you weren't sure that you were even going to go down this path. How did you become this confident version of Charlotte, the WWE wrestler, Charlotte, and be able to stay so true to yourself in an industry where so many people have opinions. So I was not used to social media when I started in 2012. Like, I think I had two Instagram posts and even know what Instagram was. That's epic. I, I wish you had a screenshot of it. <laughs> I have them. If you go through my Instagram, I had like a picture of my cat Thor and my dog. And ultimately I had a really hard time in 2012 and 2013 when I first started, because I wasn't used to the criticism that I was reading. And in wrestling, we have these things called dirt sheets that are kind of like, I guess you consider tabloids or the magazines that you pick up at the grocery store that have all the gossip. Right. And they're like, Oh, Ric Flair's daughter looks like a man. Ric Flair's daughter is too muscular. Ric Flair's daughter only got into this industry because she's Ric Flair's daughter. Oh, she's just the flair. She sucks. She's this, she's that. And man, I, it was really hard on me. Like from 2012 to 2015, I was just about to debut on the main roster in 2015, but all of these articles kept coming out that were saying, well, Vince doesn't find Charlotte diva enough. The word diva was also the name of our last. So right now there's a raw championship and a SmackDown championship, women's championships. But before that, the past era, it was called the divas championship. There was one. Remember that. So the women were called divas. So in 2015, like saying that I wasn't diva enough, that Vince wasn't going to bring me from NXT to raw or SmackDown. So I'm like, I struggled. I took all these things that people said and fueled and built this woman that I wanted to be in my personal life. That is Charlotte. I wanted to be strong. I wanted to be independent. I wanted to be confident. I wanted to be dominant. I wanted to be like, nothing can bother me. Like the exterior of Charlotte, nothing bothers her. Like she is the MF queen, like cold stoned bitch face. Like you can't get to me. But in reality, like I just, I was soaking in all these, like, what, what do you mean? You don't like, yes, I'm Ric Flair's daughter, but I'm a division one athlete. No, I'm not a model, but I didn't know how to do my hair, my eyebrows, extensions. Like I I'm learning as I go, but so you, so here's always like the silver lining. I was the last and final divas champion where I won the title from Nikki Bella. Then a couple months later, we had our, first big WrestleMania, my first WrestleMania, WrestleMania 32. So we were retiring the Divas Championship and uh, debuting or the inaugural, is that the right word? Raw Women's Championship. So I went from everyone saying that I wasn't Diva enough, pretty enough, female enough, all these things to the final and last Divas Championship. And I retired it and won the Raw Women's Championship when we debuted it at WrestleMania 32 in Dallas, Texas, in front of 101,000 people. So I took all those things from 2012 to that was what, 2016, WrestleMania 32, April, and shoved it up all their asses. 
All like, the people who said you weren't good enough. All the people weren't pretty enough. I wasn't enough, good enough. I wasn't Flair. pretty enough. I'm just Ric Flair's daughter. I'm never going to go anywhere. You take these negative things and you turn them into a positive. Now, fast forward to 2021. Yes. Do I sometimes read things? Some days are good. Some days are bad. Some days are good. Some days are bad. Like for instance, when we went into COVID, um, it was the first time since 2015 that I wasn't on the road. We are on the road 300 plus days a year. That is the life of a professional wrestler, basically. So when we went into COVID, I had told my fiance, like, I want to be in the best shape of my life when I come back. I switched up my diet. I finally followed a diet. I'd always been strong. I'd always been into working out, but I never took the time to realize it really takes the diet is the biggest part. And then alternating the training. Yep. But when I came back, everyone's like, oh my God, Charlotte's had all this plastic surgery. She's had oh all my goodness. this work done. <laughs> but I'm like, so like I said, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Take social media with a grain of salt. And if you're going to read it, take it for a positive to make yourself better. Yes, I can't tell you that some days it doesn't get to me because it does, but don't give it life. Don't comment. Don't like it, share it, do whatever, get in the fight with a person. Because ultimately you have to think of the person commenting on that. Like who, who would go to someone else's page and say, (laughs) I, I'm like blown away by it, but you have to think of where that person is mentally and just go, I feel sorry for you or they're hurting that bad. Yeah. Because I know I can't take it personally because it's like you're working on becoming the best version of yourself, impacting the industry that you're in and being such a role model to so many young women doing the things and pioneering your way. So it's like, yeah, yeah, troll 578. Like who gives a F what you think of me? Because I know I'm a fucking badass. We have to talk about this diet stuff because obviously as a dietitian, I'm like, Charlotte, like talk to me about this journey. So you're on the road first off. 300 days a year. Holy crap. How do you manage your nutrition? And like, I'm honestly curious, like, do they provide food for you in the WWE and resources? Or you have to like fend for yourself every time. Fend for yourself. Wow. So when I was in NXT 2012 to 2015, so because I was in developmental, we had a trainer at our performance center that we would train with and have like scheduled workouts, but I never really paid attention. Right. And I also think, and I don't know if anyone who's my age, I don't really think the fitness industry was big on Instagram at that time. It wasn't like what it is now, 10 years ago. It wasn't. Yeah. So I wasn't looking at pictures and seeing things or educating myself, I guess. Yeah. So, but I did get, I was really fit, but I don't think in a healthy way, meaning like I was like, okay, there's this thing that's called keto, no carbs. So I was like eating like tuna fish, peanut butter, salmon, and almonds. And you're and an like, athlete and you're working out so freaking hard. It's terrible. Terrible. So, but then 2015, when I did get on the main roster, going from being in my bed for the most part every night, but traveling to now on the road 300 plus days a year, I just blew up. Like, I'm not going to say... I was overweight, but I, what I was, was I was strong. I went from whatever PC training we were doing to, I really fell in love with Olympic lifting. So I was traveling to Tampa on Wednesdays on my off days to this coach who did Olympic lifting. So I was like, oh, I want to have a heavy snatch weight. I want to have a front squat, a deadlift, 
my bench press. So I was really into on my off day on Wednesday and Thursday doing this, but I wasn't necessarily focused on what I was eating. So on the road, I was always like, well, salads are healthy. I'll load up on all these salads or egg. I'll have omelets from Denny's because Denny's, you can do like an egg white omelet, but they were like 10 egg whites. But I was just, I did, there's just no rhyme or reason for what I was doing. So I yeah. think I was eating healthy, but I wasn't like looking at portions or how. And then on Wednesdays when I'd get home, because I would deprive myself, I would stuff my face for a whole day because I didn't have TV. So it was this cycle of having shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, flying Tuesday, stuffing my face Wednesday, and just a roller coaster of not having any kind of, okay, well, you know, you eat six meals or portion size or whatever. So, but on the road at that time, I would get Denny's. I would go to Whole Foods or any grocery stores in the smaller towns because not a lot of towns have Whole Foods. But I thought I was doing the right thing, but really there was just, I was just working against myself every week. Yeah. It sounded like you could be perceived as, oh, she's fit. Oh, see, she's in shape. And you kind of, what I would call got away with it, but internally, which is so much of the struggle. So many women listening to this episode deal with too, is like, it doesn't even matter if you're not even considered overweight, if you're not comfortable and confident and feel amazing in your body and your habits aren't sustainable, it's a ticking time bomb till that shit's going to explode. Or for you, Charlotte, you're going to get more injured, right? Because if you're not fueling your body the right way, it's going to impact your career. Yes. Yes. Uh, everything you just said, knock on wood injuries. I've been, yes, knock on wood very, because I was, but that's the thing. I was training super hard, but I didn't go the extra mile with food. Mm-hmm. Food was a emotional, I guess, maybe more of an attachment, I guess. But anyways, I met my fiance and in COVID he was finally like, well, why don't you talk to my, uh, cause he had done bodybuilding when he was younger. The guy who I guess my nutritionist, my diet guy, my trainer, all yeah, of the yeah. above I was like, okay, let's do it. So literally I went from an unhealthy relationship with carbs to now I change my diet now about every three to four weeks. Like he'll switch up the carbs. Um, so five meals, maybe three are with tortillas, two are with rice, or it's the other way around with chicken or steak, five or six meals, the cactus, or I do squash and broccoli. And we just rotate it. Like if I want a cheeseburger, I have a cheeseburger. You're fitting in what we call right. the fun foods, which I think is so awesome. Like you're not the, the old restricting was restricting and it was so rigid and it was something yeah. that wasn't sustainable for you. And now it sounds like you're, you're feeling like the hottest and healthiest version of yourself. You're at the peak of your career and you finally have this good relationship with food where you're eating, you're eating rice. God damn it. Thank God. I'm 35 and I eat like 10 tortillas a day. And I've never been like living my best life. Like I never wore a crop top until I was 34. Oh my God. Like, this is a moment. I wear, yeah, like I'm like, I have my crop top on now. Like now my fiance is like, I don't know if I like this diet because you're always, you're always half naked, mommy. <laughs> you're feeling yourself too much, but like women empowerment over here, we're allowed to feel sexy and confident and wear whatever the fuck. Yes. And I'm like, I'm 30. I'm like, what if I had done this when I was 25? Like, I'm so jealous. 
Yeah. As if, and it's so important. And I teach this all the time. It's like, you need to be able to incorporate the foods you enjoy consistently. And it's so counterintuitive, but having them consistently actually helps you not binge on them and not lose control around them. And it, you know, when you put them so off limits, well, what the F do you want to do? You just want to have that in overconsumption. So for you, especially like having it so consistently, that's what you guys listening to this show need to do as well. If you struggle with it, um, we have to incorporate it. We can't keep avoiding it. It all starts with knowledge. It's a process. It starts with knowledge. And I think it's incredible that I might have to go back to you. It is never too late to start this journey. It's never too late to learn more. And it's funny as a dietitian, I say this to my clients all the time. I'm like, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. And I know that's scary when I say I, I don't know to people as a professional in this space, but I'm like, but the more you learn, the more you don't know. There's so much to learn. Never stop learning because you, no. you're going to prevent yourself from becoming that best, most amazing version of yourself if you don't. And I kind of feel ignorant no, thinking that I was 32 going, yeah, well, I'm this. Yes, I was strong, but I still like I would say unhealthy because of how I treated food and what I was doing. and. I stood for an athlete. Yes. And I had all these, my career was amazing, but I still wasn't understanding what it took to like live your best, sexiest life. Like if you ever go to my Instagram and if you're extremely bored, you could go back two years and see that I always covered up at the gym. I always wore that same Lululemon razorback tank top. And now you're like, well, okay. Could her sports bra be any smaller? Like, You know what I mean? How did you get that confidence though? Besides the change in your body, how did you get the confidence to, I know it's going to sound crazy guys, but like be able to actually take off your shirt in the gym and train in just a sports bra. Cause that's a big fear for a lot of women. Oh my gosh. It was a huge fear. I I would never, never. Any athlete can relate to that fear on a very personal level. I also think in terms of feeling good about yourself, when you do take off that shirt and you are wearing that sports bra, you feed off that feeling good. You're like, oh, I'm feeling good. What does this look like? How do I do that tomorrow? How do I keep that up? And it's also like being bold in that moment. Yeah. Like, um, I was like, I just, I feel sexy. Like I'm doing like, even if, even if I'd ate a large pizza the night before, I'm still at that place the next day where I'm like, I still feel confident in just that sports bra and leggings. Cause this is my body. Whereas before, maybe I felt guilty because I knew what I was doing. Mm. So whereas now I know that I don't feel guilty. I had the large pizza because I can. Not because, okay, I had that two-day window to like binge. Yeah. It's about having a plan and that structure. And I think that I'm full of metaphors and expressions, but you taking off the shirt and just wearing the sports bra on the gym. And that can be so related to other people, but that's very similar to you in the WWE arena and you know, that energy and it's a, on a different level, a different scale. Right. But it's like that yep. adrenaline of like, I'm about to do something that, yeah, there's a little bit of fear going on, but like I'm owning who I am. I'm owning the confidence within myself and like, I can fucking do it. And you're going to be more than okay. Taking that shirt off. You're going to be good. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the, there's no different. I mean, you're still in front of people. You're still in a public place. Yes, I can hide behind the character, but it's the exact same thing. And even like there were days that I'd be on Monday Night Raw or pay-per-views. And I'm like, man, I feel fat today. And when I walk out there, I'd have to overcompensate. And now, yes, am I a better performer? hundred percent. But I know that every day is constantly preparing. 
And I'm even preparing on my off days instead of self-sabotaging myself. And it takes discipline. I don't care who you are or how genetically gifted you are. It's discipline. Like people could say, oh, well, you're tall. Yeah. But if you go back, I went from 170 pounds to 145 pounds. So everything takes hard work. And I'm such a believer in like you, you don't earn it just because you're working hard. Like you earn it because you've been strict and diligent and like you've worked with purpose. Like you earn everything, no matter how, how lucky you are with your circumstances or how disadvantaged you are. Like that you, we all have to work. We all need to give credit where credit's due. Yeah. And I always believe like having someone hold you accountable, like, so my, my guy's in Mexico, so I don't get to see him. And my fiance translates for me with him and sends the pictures and the diet back and whatever. But knowing that, okay, you're doing something wrong. If you're not seeing progress, like, yes, it's slow. Like he'll be like, okay, well, you're not putting on muscle. Cause I, I mean, I would do anything for a butt. Like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I would do I anything for a butt. But e- even, <laughs> even he would say, why not? Like, I'm not ashamed of it. Like, I'm like, I, I, I am with you. He's like, he's like, mommy, you have great biceps. I'm like, well, why can't my natural biceps go to my glutes? <laughs> but my diet guy would be like, well, it's because I'm telling you, you're still not eating enough carbs. I told you, you have to have more carbs. So there's that like relationship knowing like, I'm still like, it's just a process. It's a process. And I think what's so incredible too, is like, you do love yourself the way that you are and you're so confident, but it's also knowing like, yeah. Hey, it's not coming from, I'm not worthy enough because I haven't grown my ass more and I don't have a booty. It's it's I'm still awesome, but it's like, I am working towards this. And I think that's the transition. So many women need to make when they're pursuing a weight loss goal, a fitness goal, any sort yeah. of aesthetic goal. It's less about, I hate who I am because that's how most people go about it. And it's more about, I'm trying to become this and I'm working towards this and you can love yourself along the way. It makes the journey more fun. That, and I also too, and this is just part of the social media craze. Like I'm 5'10". My fiance and I argue about this all the time, but he's like, well, I don't know why you focus on wanting such big legs. And maybe that's because what I see on, on social media, social media all the time. Cause he's like, well, you've got, you know, a beautiful big back and abs where like, sometimes that's harder genetically for others to get. So like the grass isn't always greener. And women have to realize, so if that's naturally what I'm gifted with, then put an exclamation point on that. I just know I look at it and I'm like, oh, I wish I was like that. But maybe that's because what we, that's what we constantly see. But again, I think us as women need to realize beauty comes in all shapes and sizes when it comes to fitness. Yeah. I think so many women need to hear this message today, receiving this message. I hope so many of you guys out there realize it's about becoming the best version of you and you can't compare your end result to someone else's because that's like comparing your life to someone else's. Everyone has different circumstances. And even if we all worked out the same and did the same diet and everything in between, we all would look different and you still would feel so bad about yourself, even though your results are awesome at the end of the day and you could be crushing it on your goals. And I still have to tell myself that. Like, even though I'm saying it doesn't mean it's easy to compute, but it's, 
It's part of the journey. Yeah. Now, as we're wrapping up, I definitely want to know about like, what's next for you. So obviously we have WWE and I'm sure you're like, (laughs) oh my God, this question is coming. Do you want to do anything else in the media? Um, And I don't know, obviously WWE is not ending for you anytime soon. So don't, don't get those (laughs) ideas out there guys that I'm saying that, but like what's next or like anything in addition to WWE that you're super excited about on the horizon or more things you want to get into? Oh my gosh. That's what I think about every day, all day. Obviously, I want to be the queen of WWE forever and women's right, and wrestling. Will be. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. But whether it's, you know, doing an action hero movie, just to say, you know, I've been in one, but there, I'm really trying to figure out what is it that makes me tick outside? And I really tried to figure that out during COVID. Like, what do I like? What is my purpose? And I'm, I, I don't know. Like, I'm open to anything. And that's what I'm trying to figure out now. Like my fiance and I really want to have our own hot sauce because that's like one of those things we travel everywhere with hot sauce. So how do we do that? How do we go about finding a vendor? What does that look like? What would it be called? Would it be hot or spicy? Yeah. I can't help, but think about you so many years ago with your brother and your dad and that WWE representative and you like not knowing your direction. And I feel like that's sort of what's going on now where it's like you, you have this awesome direction and awesome career in life, but it's like, what's next. I think so many women can relate to that. Like you don't have to have it all figured out. Like look internally at what is your passion. And just like you and your fiance are doing, it's like, well, how can we make this a reality? How can I pursue this dream that I have? And I think that's really amazing. I know. I, I try to think to myself, I was so scared then like terrified. And even though I'm terrified now, and Oh, and I think you said something earlier. That's a good point you are where you are now. So do you feel like you've made it? And even though I've done all these things, I still feel like I haven't made it. And I think as a professional, you should never lose that itch to just be complacent. And I think because I'm so not complacent, that's why I'm terrified of like, what's next. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of women, especially women who are ambitious and like myself, very type A, it's very yeah. hard to celebrate. Right. And actually my husband said this to me, he's like, you need to celebrate your successes, but never be complacent. And I think yes. we're extremely successful. We struggle with that. We either over celebrate and we're complacent or we are, um, very complacent and you know, the vice versa. Um, yes. Yeah. So yeah. That's where I think it's so important to, you know, obviously honor where you're at, but also know like it's, it has to be enough with where you're at, but never lose that drive and passion for whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's your fitness goals, like you have to keep up with it and to keep up with it, to keep it growing. If that makes sense. This sounds so corny, but I think, I think about this at work. I always say I didn't come this far to come this far. Mm. So that like open-ended like, okay, I, what's next? What else can I do on top of Yeah. What else can I do if I didn't like, so you're telling me in 2012, I was scared of my own shadow my little brother encouraged me. And then my little brother passed away that a year into wrestling because of his drug addiction. I took his dream, made it mine. I would hate to think that I just stopped growing because I was scared. And I feel that's the biggest obstacle in anything, even diet. You're scared. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know what it's like to have carbs and have rice and then know what happens to your body. But on that other side of that fear and being scared and that anxiety is the opportunity for something you've never had before. And to get something you've never had before, you have to do something you've never done before. Yeah. And I, well, one more thing, because 
we've made it to the top of whatever industry, like I've made it to the top in my industry. It's scary to be a beginner in something else, but that's the only way to continue to grow is be that beginner again. And that's very hard when you have made it to the tippy tippy top and you know everything. So it's like, okay, how does that, how does that girl in 2012 be that beginner again? And that's what I'm trying to do. I love that. Well, I just can't wait for this hot sauce. I'll have to get it for my husband. (laughs) I am not a fan of very spicy food. So I'm like the worst person (laughs) my hot sauce for, Um, but I'm trying to get a little bit better at it. I've been going to, you know, some spicy places. Um, But no, I love it. Thank you so much for being on Charlotte. Anything else you'd like to share with the TSN community? No, just thanks for having me and good luck with everyone that's listening. Go after it. Don't be scared. Do it, girlfriend. I love it. Thanks, Charlotte. Thank you. 